This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. So I have to begin by saying that we have made history here tonight. This is our first shorts program ever in the college <laughs> So for those of us who are in love with shorts, I hope this is the beginning of some of many more programs like this. It was fantastic, beautifully programmed series of films. Um, so I just want to say that we're really honored, of course, to have Sharon here, especially because Tribeca is one of the festivals, one of the preeminent festivals in terms of celebrating, supporting short films and being really committed to short films and uh, short filmmakers. Uh, they're reviewed in the New York Times, and um, which is just amazing because there's so much new uh, appreciation for shorts as a result of Tribeca that um, I just have to ask what it's like to have like the greatest job in the world <laughs> and you have a particular mission when you are scouting shorts and reviewing submissions and then selecting the films that you're going to invite. Well, it's, it's a really great job because I spend most of my job in my pajamas. <laughs> so, because I'm at home. I need to watch at home. I can't watch on a laptop at work or any of that. Um, so, I think... I mean, first of all, I'm really lucky, but second of all, I've worked really hard to get to this point, so you can't just walk into a job like this. You have to develop an eye, and you have to, you know, immerse yourself into the, in that world. And um, what was the second part of the question? You know, what, if you have a mission as oh, you're selecting mission, Well, I guess, you know, them. I have to say that every time in... And, well, let me introduce my colleagues, too. So... Um, Joe Toronto is the producer of Super Sex. <laughs> well done. And Greg Goggin is the, one of the two directors of Ocean Stories Wyland. So every time, uh, every time I watch something, I want to love it. You know, it's not, it's not, I'm not like a film critic where I'm looking to pick stuff apart. I really want to love it. And so my mission for Tribeca is to find the newest work that's out there and to try and um, help launch filmmakers' careers and to expose my audience, my New York audience, to what I think is going to engage them, inspire them, challenge them, and... um, have them explore work from countries that we don't often have a chance to see. So I'm going to look at my cheat sheet here. There were 3,553 submissions for the 2016 edition of just the shorts part of Tribeca. And 72 shorts were screened with 45 world premieres. Correct. And 53 in competition, representing 23 countries. So what are you looking for in world premieres? World premieres are important. Every festival has its own uh, view on world premieres. And ours is that um, 
I want them. And the reason why I want them is not just my competitive nature, but because um, I know what launching a film at Tribeca will do for a filmmaker. And so I also know that if we all were playing the same films over and over again, we would not be discovering as many new filmmakers. So every world premiere that I select that Tribeca shows is another filmmaker that we've brought to an audience for the first time. So can you talk about, you mentioned before we saw the films that um, the f- kind oh, the of ride. flow, that, that ride. Yeah. Can, so can you address that process that you go through when you're yeah. slotting films and making those individual programs? Yeah, and uh, first of all, I'm, you know, uh, I might be the empress of the universe in terms of short films, but I don't do it alone. You know, I have my, my co-programmer, Ben Thompson, he's been with me for 10 years, and uh, I've been at Tribeca, it will be 18 years. And um, I have a team of associate shorts programmers and short screeners. I do not use interns. I do not use novices. Every single person that screens submissions is a professional in this business. And many of them, I do it on the side, in term, outside of their real job in distribution or marketing or um, shorts uh, sales. So... Um, we all are watching the submissions, and that group of 3,500 gets eventually pulled down to about 200, and that 200 eventually gets pulled down to 100, and then you have the last cut. And it's be- so, so I am watching, I've already watched over 300 shorts for this year already. And so my goal is 400. Once I hit 400, which should be in about two weeks, I will then start watching all of my team's top picks. Ben will do the same thing. He'll watch 400, and then he'll watch team, and then we'll watch each other's top picks. And then we sit with that 100, and each film is on an index card. (laughs) And we lay them out on the conference table, and... The films just kind of start speaking to us. And in in all seriousness, we don't go into this with preconceived themes. We don't go into this with what that ride's going to be. It it reveals itself to us through the crop of films that we love the best. And so we start thinking about, because every film now on an index card is one that we love. And we have to make one more cut to get it down because I have a finite number of programs. So that's when we, in order to get to that, we have to say, okay, wait, this one, this one will play into this one. Well, wait a minute, we don't want to start it that way. Let's start with this one. Or we'll go backwards. We'll pick what we call the anchor, which is like Ocean Stories for me was an anchor because it's got a nice vibe to it. It makes you feel good at the end. It's got a good message. So in the case of Ocean Stories, we worked backwards from that. Like, I knew that was the anchor for the program. That's what we thought was, would work well. And then we backed it up from there. So it's, and, and that's the fun part. And we, because we probably finished screening all the submissions by, you know, towards the middle of January. And then we spend a month just doing that. 
just really kind of playing with it. And, and then sometimes we'll knock all the cards off the table and say, no, let's start over. That's not working. That's not working. So it's, that's, that's really the fun part. And that's the very cerebral part because I've been to so many shorts programs where it just looked like they were strung together, you know, without a kind of sense of um, curation to it. And, and when I, st- I started with Tribe, I started before the festival started. So when the festival started, I didn't want to do it that way. I wanted to create, almost to create a feature out of all these shorts. And so, and you guys, I, well, it's interesting to me because they were in different programs, right? I just curated this for tonight. So how did, what was each experience different? Well for, well, for me, it was an absolute excitement to, to receive the phone call. And I think the, the wonderful thing about Sharon was she had comments and, and suggestions. And it, it was to have somebody reach out and say, you know, your film has merit, but could you think of this? And so we actually had an opportunity to, to, to hear from Sharon what would make our film better. And I think you'd be an idiot not to listen. <laughs> so so it was, that was wonderful, I mean, to have that experience and to know that there was somebody that actually took the time to not only select us, but to care enough to help us make it better. So thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, and uh, my experience was, you know, Tribeca is a game changer, you know, in the industry. And I grew up in New Jersey, so Tribeca is, you know, it's in my backyard. And it's like, it's like going to the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, seriously, and I've produced probably 15 short films over the years. And, you know, never, this is like, this is like the moment. It was like a, a really defining moment for me personally. And, uh, you know, it was completely life-changing. And uh, I was very, very grateful and happy. Yeah. Yeah. That's the word, grateful. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I have to ask, because I'm always thinking about shorts in relation to feature-length films, what are the things about shorts that you most value, the things that you can do, the things that you want to share with people um, versus feature-length films? I kind of like the compression. I like trying to to tell a a great story in as clear and simple a way as possible. And sometimes that forces you to compress a lot of information or a lot of visuals in the right way and and, uh, find that really challenging. And for me, um, it's it's kind of like it it, it was like a training ground for me because I actually didn't go to film school. I went to uh, I was a business major in in New York City. And uh, what I used to do is I used to produce all of the, when I wanted to get into it, I, uh, I used to work for this casting director in New York City, and then on the side, I used to produce for you know, the, uh, the film students at NYU and the New York Film Academy, and I'd, I would actually work on my craft. And For me, it's a, it's a way, because uh, independent filmmaking, especially for feature films, because I, I produced a feature film, and then when I was wrapping that, I, we did Super Sex. And I'm always, it, it helps me with my craft. It's, uh, you have to be very, very on your game, and you're limited with budgets now when you're doing features. And the feature I did was, you know, it was so shoestring. And, you know, it's, when you produce these short films, it teaches you. It's a, it's a discipline. So for me, it's, it's more or less, it, it helps tremendously because when I am producing features, I, I look back at my, my short work and I'm like, okay, this is how we did it. And, you know, when I produce short films, it's just like I am doing a feature but it's a limited amount of days. You know, we did Super Sex in two days. And, uh, you know, and nowadays, you know, you're doing features, 
the, you know, uh, Matthew Modine directed Super Sex, and Matthew, uh, he was in Full Metal Jacket, and he was telling me it was a 100-day shooting schedule. It took two years to film that movie, and, like, now you do independent films where it's 20 days. You know, some of these features in, you know, studios, it's 30 days. So shorts, more or less, is just a training ground for me. Mm-hmm. And I love doing them. I did two since I did my feature, so love them. So can you talk about um, how you got involved with Matthew and... Yeah, um, well, I was saying is I used to work for the casting director in New York City, and then uh, when I was at the New York Film Academy, I was casting something. Um, I met Bowman Modine. It was Matthew's son, and I started working with Bowman. I used to produce his short films that he was directing, and then from there, Matthew kind of poached me and was like, <laughs> hey, you know, come here and... Uh, yeah, help me with my stuff, and I, I work. I, uh, I develop all of Matthew's uh, the features that are coming up, and you no, know, his short films where it's like he's been doing them for thirty years, and uh, it's kind of like he wants to you know uh, direct feature films, and he's you know he's well known in the business. He's you know been there thirty five years. He has a Golden Globe, and it's one of those things where he doesn't want to be you know the arrogant a- actor that can just go in and be like oh, I'm going to direct. No, he works you know very very hard on his work and. That's what the short films are. It's for him. It's practice. You know, he wants to you know have a voice and yeah. And also, well, I have to say because I know I've known Matthew for so long through Tribeca, he's really funny. Yeah. And he loves these kind of yeah. bump bump jokes. Yeah. And that's why the last couple of films have had that yeah. kind. He likes this kind of fast joke stuff, and that allows him yeah. to get at that part of his personality, too. Yeah. Um, the title of one of his films, Jesus is a Commie. Yeah. Jesus was that, a Commie. Oh, yeah. Jesus was a Commie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah that's it. Yeah. Um, it was uh, like a documentary, and, uh, you know, he wanted to have, like, the. He likes to have titles that are kind of controversial. I mean, super sex. When you know, my family found out. You know, it got into Tribeca. I swear they thought I was like producing porn. Like seriously, like, like. uh, Yeah. So he likes to have these like provocative titles. And Jesus was a commie. He knew it was gonna like perk up you know ears, and people would be like, "What is? What is he doing?" And he was getting you know hate mail and stuff, but people didn't understand what the, the films are about. It's so witty. Yeah. I recommend that whole yeah, yeah. And Greg, how yes. did you find Wyland? You know, Wyland uh, uh, was reasonably well-known in California, and, and uh, my wife Susan and I were producing uh, a number of live events with people like Wyland, Greg McGilvery, uh, uh, Dr. Greg Stone, the environmental scientist, and we were just struck by uh, who, I mean, just what a great way to see if people could connect with an audience. So we do a live event Q and A with pretty much like this with with uh, uh, a Wyland or or a Dr. Greg Stone, and if they could, you know, keep people alert and happy, um, and we could work well with them. Uh, that was how we selected the the individuals that became part of Ocean Stories, and Wyland is just uh, as real as he seems on that screen. And, and, I, and I guess the Don, Don Quixote part of him, his dogged determinism, his optimism, he's a Pied Piper with kids. I thought he was just a, a great subject. Um, I grew up in the South Bay area, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that so wall, the yeah. Redondo Beach wall, yeah. is just so much a part of my yeah. 
beach consciousness <laughs> now. It's so fantastic. Well, that Long Beach story was news to me. I mean, I, I you know, I, that, that he had the mayor actually, you know, say, "Can you? We got a bigger wall." You know, <laughs> that, that's, but that, that's Wyland to take an opportunity like that and make it happen. So yeah. perfect. He's just made for the camera. Yeah, yeah I think those eyes of his, uh, Paul Newman's, <laughs> yeah. they really are. It's a good subject for him because his yeah. eyes match so beautifully. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. All righty, so how mm-hmm. about if we open this up and get mm-hmm. some questions from the mm-hmm. audience? As uh, diversity is such an issue these days uh, mm-hmm. and has covered so much, in your selection process, how do you deal with those pressures about Male, female, uh, race, are you able to judge the film strictly on their own merits without those conversations? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think when we think about programming, we're thinking about diversity within the program um, as storytelling, right? So I want different textures. So I want characters of different ethnicities and different backgrounds represented in the storytelling, we're pretty much going colorblind in terms of director. When we get down to that 200, then we start thinking, yeah, you know, we want representation. So I am going to look for, for directors that are underrepresented as part of the recipe of putting these programs together. But it's almost more about making sure that the stories we tell have different characters in them than, than the behind the scenes of it. I had two questions, but I'm trying to remember my second one. Um, uh, my first question is a, a very uh, simple question. Uh, uh, do you have any bias or take uh, for short films that are more towards the end of uh, being a feature? So like late 30 minutes uh, sort of deal? Um, Okay. So we're an Academy qualifying festival, so that means I live up to the Academy regulation, which is, in order to be a short, you have to be under 40 minutes. That being said, a narrative 39-minute short is a tough go in a festival program. And if you make a narrative 39-minute short, you have to be realistic and say, it's probably not going to get into a lot of festivals, but you're making that for a different reason. You're making that either as proof of concept for a feature, you're making that because you want to get work for hire, but if you make a 39-minute short, you're not making it for the festival circuit. So that, you know, I have shown long shorts, especially docs, absolutely, longer docs, but you have to make sure that, that your, the story you're telling is strong enough to support the running time that you're telling it in. And it's rarely the case where I don't look at something and say, oh, you know, it could have been a little tighter. So it's efficiency of storytelling, not the, not the actual minutes of running time. I, I remember my second question. Okay, uh, go for it. Um, <laughs> Uh, this is uh, for the filmmakers, uh, and I, you guys are a little more experienced than uh, most of us students here. Uh, but I, I was just wondering if you guys have any advice in terms of finances uh, to making films. Yeah. Boy. <laughs> Want to go? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's a tough go, man. Um, 
It really is. It's really, really tough to find financing these days. You know, we've, in, in my prior work, you know, I found uh, investors that are dentists because they're just, you know, they sit there all day and they work on teeth. They need excitement. You know, that's like literally it's... They have to fill that, that, something. That's, yeah. Uh, family, friends, um, you know, business people. You know, it, it happens. But, you know, the, the biggest struggle I find is there's a lot of phonies, especially, um, you know, when you go and you... You know, you sit with these people and they'll just lie right to your face, but you have to vet. So how I find financing is I'm rep by an agency uh, called the Gersh Agency, and, and Gersh sets me up with these meetings and sets, you know, uh, you know the production team up, and they, that's how that works now. But, like, when I was first out there, you know, trying to raise money, it was it's the There's Wild no West, service. man. It's crazy. Yeah. It really is. But, uh, you know, you, what I would say is just continue, like, you know, start off with your uh, – because you don't want to shoot a feature. You know, and it, right away, you want to, you know, have the, the breeding ground. You, you go and you make your short films and just, like, grab friends on the weekends. And, you know, I made a lot of short films that were, you know, never programmed anywhere, but they made me better as a producer, much better. I mean, I did 15 of them. You know, the, the 15th one got into Tribeca. So there's 14 others, you know, that got me to that point. So I would say just, you, you know, favors, you know, at, at this point, you, you know, it's, it's hard to get actual investors because they're not going to make their money back, you know, and it's, you know, I've shot short films that were way too expensive for, you know, at the time where I could have asked for more favors. And that's how you kind of do it. When you do the feature work, that's when you have to, you know, pay people and, you know, you get bigger budgets and you go to the dentist. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think uh, what Joe touched upon in terms of favors, I mean, that's pretty much how we got ours done. Uh, A lot of the wonderful footage, um, uh, underwater footage, was by Howard and Michelle Hall, who are very wonderfully generous uh, underwater filmmakers. And it was our relationship, the fact that they trusted that we were going to do our best and and so on. They they essentially provided us an enormous uh, heads up uh, and a a quick start by by, uh, allowing us to use their libraries. Um, So that was... uh, Extremely helpful. We couldn't have afforded to to have uh, had IMAX quality uh, imagery uh, in a short film, <laughs> you know. But uh, so I, I think that that as a, when I was young, I, I think I underestimated the importance of relationships. As I've uh, mm-hmm. gotten a little grayer, I appreciate it <laughs> even more. I mean, it seems like most of the doors are open by a trust that's built over time, or a respect, or or something like that. Your favorite idea, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So while we're waiting for the next question, what were the lies? What are some of the lies that? <laughs> oh, like it's just crazy. You, you go there and you know there's a thing called matching funds. With it, they do this is like always avoid that seriously because uh, they'll be like if you put like a million dollars in an account, like we have a, a bank that'll match it. And I'm like no no like there's so many of those meetings where I'm just like you know as soon as that like matching funds comes up, I remember I was just like no like it's 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 over. But uh. No, they just people think you know they they lie. They tell you they've they've worked on these movies, and you can, you know look them up now. You know, look at IMDb. So it's like, no, you didn't work on Titanic. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, once you get like you, you you can figure it out. You can you know, it's all relationship driven. So like you go and like I said, like the like Gersh would send me to meet with somebody. And you know they're vetted. Or like if Modine knows somebody, I'll go and sit down with them because like I know like they've they have relationships with these people and they're they're real, you know. 
So that was a really good tip. I never would have known that matching funds oh, <laughs> yeah. is Just, the red light. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. It, it gets tricky with financing. Real quick on financing, it's like it, they, people offer soft money where it's like, you know, it's actually not cash. It's like services and, you know, they want equity in your project. And it, you just, you shoot, shoot your movie for as low as you possibly can. Because if you make a really good movie for that low amount of money, you'll get more money. So always on like your, your first couple, do mm-hmm. it, you know, kill yourself on it, you know, but don't, really. But just that limit itself is so, is so the challenge of that can make yeah. you incredibly creative. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean. I had a question about the uh, Wyland piece. I thought it was really cool. There was, um, in the interview, there was one uh, shot of Wyland where it was kind of low angle and profile. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really cool kind of different shot. And mm-hmm. I was wondering why... I think you only used it once or twice, and what was the decision you decide between the two shots? I, I, think, I think some of it's just feel. It felt right. Uh, but uh, this was a longer film, so that was done more than just a little bit. And initially, it was about 35 minutes, 34 minutes, and one of the things to make it festival-friendly uh, was, was to compress it. So s- some of the shots were cut. But uh, the, the cinematographer, uh, uh, Turner... Uh, Jumminville is very talented, and, and uh, I think uh, I'll make sure I tell him that that was one of the things that was commented on, because uh, I love his work. <laughs> Sharon, do you see, when you're putting together your shorts program, do you think about it in the context of some of the other um, side, or some of the other events going on in the festival? I know that there's a lot going on at Tribeca. Um, so do you ever think of it in relationship to any of the other programs? Yeah. Uh, last year I had a, um, a short called uh, Hard Lovin' Woman with, uh, about Juliette Lewis and her rock band. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we saw the short, we thought it might be cool to take, even though the short was playing as part in the program, to extricate that short and have her and the rock band come and perform. And that's what we did. So we're always thinking about mm-hmm. how we can... Um, I, uh, a couple of years ago, I had a short in, the prog- in one of the programs called Who Shot Rock and Roll, which was about the famous rock and roll photographers. And so we extricated that short and did a panel discussion with the photographers from the movie. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you're, you're always trying to think of what, what else can we do that... Or what are these shorts, what other activities can we do with them that, outside of the playing in the program? So um, it's more of a comment. Um, maybe you can comment on my comment. Um, um, it was my first time I really saw short movies, and I was really impressed. I, I really liked the, all the short movies. They were great. Um, it really made me think, why is it not possible that those short movies are shown in public cinemas. Um, I really feel like um, movies in public cinemas, they're just way too long. And then there are so many parts for one movie and you just need to wait and pay and to see the second part and you can't see everything in just one time. And I really felt you saying um, it's a discipline of condensing things really to the essentials um, in such a short movie, which I really like because you really get the full story just in, in 10 minutes and 10 minutes are enough, which is, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> I think he's right. Um, I think there's two problems. One is that 
uh, YouTube has led us to believe that that is a short film. And people don't really know what short films are, right? Because they think of YouTube as short films. And because um, many filmmakers do not have the proper clearances or rights to their material, whether it's music, whether it's location releases, whether it, whatever it is, in order to, to have the document deliverables required to get a distributor to be able to legally show those films beyond the festival circuit, a lot of that doesn't exist. A lot of the filmmakers do not because that, all of that costs money. So getting a festival clearance is in many cases a lot less expensive than getting full clearance on everything, especially music. So that's the problem. And then the, the, another problem is that people, it's, it's something inherent in the culture. People do not want to pay f- for short films. You know, they'll watch them for free, but um, there is something, uh, unfortunately, that they are not valued as, the art, as an art form in and of themselves. And I think that, that that's difficult to change. What is changing that are sites like um, Vimeo Staff Picks or Short of the Week. And their stuff is always really high quality and really great. And, and, but um, movie theaters, I don't know. It's a tough go. And because distributors, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. So um, Sharon wrote the definitive book about short film distribution. But it's old now. It's not so old. It's still definitive. I'm not doing a second edition. I did it once. That was enough. So what's your advice? I mean, a festival screening is really the the apex of uh, distribution for, or exhibition for um, filmmakers. So what are your tips for the many aspiring and experienced filmmakers that we have here. To get an audience or? To get, to get films distributed either into a festival or things to kind of pitfalls to avoid yeah. and opportunities to. Well, Supersex has distribution. So what we did was we, like, like Sharon was saying, like we got the location releases, we got music clearances. You know, Ruby, the, the, the girl that plays the prostitute, Matthew's daughter, Sang the song at the end, and we got the rights. You know, there's, there's, there's just certain things that you have to do, and you know, I, I know this from other work that you need the deliverables, like Sharon was saying, because you know, there's a whole list of them. You know, when you know you get the offer from the distributor, and then you look at the deliverables, like, do you have all this? If you don't, you, you don't have the SAG agreement. You don't have, you know, all the the different unions. You're kind of uh, yeah, in a bad place. So you have to make sure you have all that stuff. I mean, I don't think, frankly, I don't think for 90% of the films, I don't think you need a distributor. I think if you're making a short, you're doing it to get exposure, to get eyeballs. So you try the festival circuit, and if that doesn't work, you go out through social media, you put them online, you get eyeballs on them, you get people to comment on them, and maybe you get yourself, maybe your short gets picked as a Vimeo staff pick, which gets a lot of eyeballs on it. But as far as revenue... If, if you get nominated for an Oscar, maybe you'll get on an iTunes deal. But that's, there, it doesn't exist. And don't let people um, mislead you. you know? and I, we have a Tribeca channel on uh, United Airlines. And so in my spare time, I program the shorts on that channel. And um, 
the license fees are very low. It's not, you know, it's nothing to speak of, really. And, and that's in general. So you're not, you know, but what I say to a filmmaker is I say, okay, I realize that it's not a lot of money, but I'm putting you on 700 flights globally. So how about that? What's the value of that? And that, I think, for short films is what you have to think about not as, as a tangible value, is eyeballs. Hi. Uh, what do you think about the short channel? There's a channel called the short channel on DirecTV. Oh, that's that's yeah, uh, Super Sex got picked up Ooh. from them, yeah. So it's... Uh, is that viable? Money? No. No, no I mean... No. In, in <laughs> I mean, it's great. I mean, it's, it's playing in 20 theaters, uh, like, around the country, like, this weekend. You know, nothing around here but in the, the, the Midwest and the South. And, you know, it's going to play in the channel. It's in a, a series called Stars and Shorts. We had a, a lot of uh, celebrity actors in, in our in our movie, so they, you know, it, it was it was one of those things. It was a good. So, have uh, you had any results from that? Has it? Uh, it's it's literally being released. Like I was supposed to go to the the gala tonight, like the the premiere, but because I watched that channel here with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, so it's like Friday. We're gonna it's it comes out or tomorrow. So. We'll see. You. Ask me and you know, there might be a channel. There might be a channel, but uh, it, it's not New York. It's not on any of our cable systems. No. It's not in the, most of the key cable it. systems in, in the country. It's so it's not just about there being a channel for short films, but what's the audience? You know, uh, It's almost like people talk about the iTunes deal. I got an iTunes deal. Okay, iTunes in Turkey. Yay. Yay, good for you. But how many people is that really? So... You know, you have to, it's not just, that's why you, it's up to you to do the, your due diligence and do research on, mm-hmm. on b- before you sign a deal with anybody. Get feedback from filmmakers who have signed a deal mm-hmm. with them before. And, you know, get, get a, a sense of the actual limitations and the reach of whatever platform and distributor you're trying to go through. So are you going to be offering shorts on the Tribeca streaming service? No, the Tribeca shortlist is just for features because it's a, um, <laughs> it's a deal between Tribeca and Lionsgate. So it was never, in, I know they call it shortlist, but it was never intended to, to be, a to be <laughs> shorts. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I was so excited I when I saw that name. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, yes, another question up. Um, what was your journey or process of refining your eye? And obviously, like, exposure is a really big, you know, exposing yourself to a lot of films is, is key. You know, but are there other, like, tips or um, different avenues to, to help you with that? Yeah, you can't, you, can, you can't start as a programmer, right? You have to start, first you start as an audience member. So for me, for me, I had to jump on it because I've been teaching at NYU for so many years that I've been exposed to my student short films long before I, st- I started at Tribeca. And, and then you start by, you know, when, when we started the festival the first year, we all wore many different hats because we put it on in 120 days. Wow. So it was, okay, I'll watch some stuff. You know, I'll watch submissions, and then, you know, I'll screen, and then, you know, but it takes, you know, the phrase practice makes perfect. You know, it takes time, so... Um, I was telling Cynthia that I get a, a lot of requests for people that want to screen for us. And my, uh, my position is, 
you, I can't be the first festival that you screen for. You have to come to me with two or three other festivals that you've screened for under your belt already. So the best thing to do is, whether it's a university film festival, whether it's a community film festival, whether it's you in the summertime volunteering for a film festival for the programming team as a screener, that's how you start. You start, you start, you start. And then you ask to sit in. My, my co-programmer, Ben, started as an intern. And he asked to sit in on the programming meetings just to learn. And then he would watch the films to see what it was that we were talking about, what we thought. And then he would watch films himself and say, this is what I think about those. What do you think about my opinion? You know, how, how, how am I doing? And that's, so gradually that's what happens. I had, a, I had a jump because I was teaching. So I had the exposure to the medium. But, you know, you build your resume just like you do with any um, aspect of the film industry. Hi, Greg. How did you all find the uh, old footage for the Wyland piece? I'm just curious. Wyland uh, has always archived his... Uh, I can't see where the question's coming from. Wow. Okay. Uh, Wyland has always archived his, his materials. His, uh, I don't know if you remember the scene in Indiana Jones where you open up the warehouse and you see... <laughs> I mean, that's what his artwork is like and his footage is like. He's always had uh, a, a camera following him. So a lot of our work was was you know, essentially collating and, and sifting and trying to find the gold dust in a lot of, a lot of footage. And, and the interviews were really the, uh, the, the signature part of it that, that we built, uh, the, you know, the core of the film around, and then we found footage to fit it. Then we went to the halls and found the underwater footage that matched. And, but the story was pretty, pretty clear uh, uh, from the start. We I knew Wyland well enough to know... To, I knew Wyland well enough... To know uh, from you know the, the, the to take him from the journey from from Detroit to Beijing, and and uh, uh, and once we laid that out, we went back to his archives and started digging. So I'm a high school student and I'm competing in um, a student short film competition at the film festival. And aside from camera equipment, my budget's pretty much just like my bank account, which has like a hundred bucks in it. So. <laughs> Um, aside from like the camera and equipment, what would you say is like the most important aspect of creating like a professional film on like a low budget? Uh, Go ahead. Uh, sound. Make sure it's it sounds good. That was always uh, that'll wreck you. Yeah, yeah that that'll get you. Uh, make sure your sound is is spot on. Um, yeah, sound and uh, the writing and the acting is like the, like the three keys. There, the, for me at least, like the. The story, actor, sound yeah. has to because, like, even like if you botch the editing, you can always fix it with another editor. You know, you can't fix the sound with another. Right. Sound. You only you can only story. fix it so much, yeah. or you can't fix the the story so yeah. much. But definitely, and what I would say is, if you're on a, a budget, you know, a tight budget, whatever, cut the amount of days. Is, like, that's that's the thing. It's like, don't don't put it over a, a certain amount of time. Just it kind of. You know, like I said, anytime I do a short film with two day, uh, two days schedule. So, you know, it's maybe three days. You know, that's it. And before you pick up that camera, make sure that that script is as good as it can be, 
and that you have enough feedback on it so that it is as good as it can be. Because the film lives or dies by the script. So even the best actors can't save a weak script. Mm -hmm. You guys all know when you watch a movie and it's got really great actors in it, and you're like, whoa, you know? It's because the script is not good enough. So that's where the work's got to go. The work goes a, a lot further before you pick up that camera. A lot of critics say that writing a script for a short film can be more challenging than writing a feature-length script because every word has to count, every moment has to count. Right. Every and scene has to move the plot. If, and I always say with my students, when, if they're sitting with me and we're going over through something and we start talking and I say, okay, we've just talked through this whole scene and we haven't <laughs> missed anything. So what does that say to you? You know, then it, every scene in a short film must propel it. Otherwise, it's, it's, um, yeah. it's cut it. Yeah. <laughs> I got to watch Greg McGilvery cut, it, cut a film with his, with his folk, and they sit there, and, and each one is graded. You know, and, and so they watch it, and they, it's either an A or a B. They don't have any Cs. You know? And if it's a B, they argue it back and forth, and it's set aside. You know, so he wow. assembles his film. Wow. And, you know, it, it's fun to watch. It's an amazing process. We might think of short films as being uh, akin to short stories, you know, thinking of feature films as novels. But what struck me was uh, many of them seem more like poems. They have the structure of a poem. In other words, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's that. Uh, uh, succinctness uh, there is sometimes just like the the whole thing is about the evocation of an emotion you know and it can be very fleeting it can be subtle uh, so anyway I just uh, would love to hear any comments you have about the the form of the short film it's interesting that you mentioned short stories we were talking before about have the difficulty of finding material that relates to short film uh, criticism and so on for short film studies courses like the one I teach. And so I found a lot of inspiration looking at short story theory. And uh, Edgar Allan Poe was the first short story theorist. And the thing that he advocated was unity, just this fierce attention to unity, which is something completely different in a feature-length film that um, usually involves taking various narrative threads and tying them together in a unified way. So he was really advocating this intense kind of focus, and that the poem analogy is also something that is common. People relate shorts to songs and there are a lot of kind of metaphors and analogies that are used, but they typically all get back to that kind of um, focus, that, that unity that can address something like a character study uh, with the, the, I'm forgetting the, the title, um, of the, the cellist uh, uh, film. Hold on. That, yeah. so, or uh, emotions <laughs> mm-hmm. and so on. So when I'm looking at, at shorts, one of the things I'm really um, aiming to see is 
this, this attention to something, some, some contained something. When you were mentioning um, compression and so on, there's, there's so many, there almost aren't any parameters for short, ex- shorts except for that kind of containment and the demand that there be an, a focus, an intense kind of focus. So when you were talking about your, your high school um, shorts-making experience, um, one of the things for a, for a kind of unity and also dealing with a lower budget is fewer locations and just a tight, so often shorts um, feature continuous time, so they are you know one location, continuous time, or a very contained period of time, and um, so so I hope that answers it. <laughs> okay, alrighty. Well, I have to thank our team here. This has been an honor and such a pleasure, um, such an enjoyable set of films, as I said. So. Sharon, Joe, and Greg, thank you. Thank you, Sophia. Thank you, All righty. Advice is to see more shorts. <laughs> Spread the word. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.